The Michelangelo Signorelli Show on Sirius XM OutQ 108. Welcome back. I'm Michelangelo Signorelli on Sirius XM OutQ 108. Patty Davis is, of course, the daughter of President Ronald Reagan and Nancy Reagan. And she is also an author. Eight books, uh, including... Her newest one, called Till Human Voices Wake Us, and the book is all about a woman who loses her son and then falls in love with her sister-in-law. Uh, the book is available on Kindle, will be in print in a few weeks, but you can go and do a Google on it and uh, certainly um, find it online. Uh, Patty Davis, welcome to the program. Thank you so much for having me. So the new novel uh, is this story, as I said, about a woman who loses her son, falls in love with her sister-in-law. Talk a bit about why you decided to write a novel from the perspective of a lesbian or, or certainly uh, about a woman in love with another woman. Well, you know, first of all, I don't think most um, <clears throat> most writers who write any fiction will tell you that you don't decide to write a story. The story finds you. And in this case, <clears throat> I began this book um, almost 12 years ago, and I literally overheard a conversation between strangers about <clears throat> two sisters-in-law who fell in love with each other and simultaneously divorced their husbands. And the only other part of the conversation I heard was, well, you know, were they gay before, bisexual before? And no, they, they fell in love. And I thought, well, that's just wonderfully complicated. Um, and I thought, what a great idea for a novel. And when I started playing around with the idea of, of using it as a centerpiece for a novel, I thought, well, there has to be some way into to that story. You can't just have two straight women, you know, look at each other across the lunch table and go, oh, my God, I just realized I love you. <laughs> um, <clears throat> so there was another story from uh, from my past, a woman who I knew in the 80s, who had lost her three-year-old, I believe he was three years old, three years old uh, son in a swimming pool accident at home. And she'd said to me, I, I never, I don't know who left the screen door open. And my interpretation of that was she didn't even know if it was her. Like maybe she had opened it and not locked it and, and hadn't blocked that out, you know, in her mind. And that had stayed with me. So I used that as the way into the story and then I was kind of off and running and I never know where I'm going in a, in a book um, what drives this story is the question of who left the screen door open and you do find out at the end but I didn't know who it was going to be until mm. I got to that part in fact I didn't even know if she would ever find it out now you write it in the first person yeah. So you're writing from the perspective of this woman who uh, yeah. comes to realize she is a lesbian. And it, it's got to be a challenge. I mean, there are a lot of authors, um, there are a lot of men who've written in first person uh, from the perspective of women. Uh, they talk about the challenge, women who've written from the, first, uh, the perspective of men. Uh, how do you kind of get yourself um, into that frame? That's such a good question. You know, when I started this novel... I actually deliberately st wrote it and started it in third person because 
I'm very comfortable writing a first person, um, maybe because I, I have written a lot of autobiographical stuff. Um, but I, I, I deliberately wanted to do it in third person because I, I didn't want people going, oh, she's just writing about herself. Now she's a lesbian, <laughs> you know, <laughs> like, now what? <laughs> right? And so I, I, I forced it into this voice that I, I knew instinctively it didn't belong. And uh, then I, I got a book agent named Jed Mattis, who has... Uh, oh, Jed voice. was my good, long-time really? friend and was my agent for... Uh, oh. Gosh, my first book, and um, such a oh. wonderful, dear man who, of course, was, is deceased. Yeah, he died from his pancreatic cancer, came back. and Well, he took me on on the basis of this partial manuscript. Um, he really believed in it, but one of the first things he said to me was, uh, why are you writing this in third person? And I told him pretty much exactly what I just told you, because I was very aware of why I was doing it. And he said, you know, you can't you can't force a book into, you know, it's it's not a choice. You know, a book cries out to be told in whatever voice it cries out to be told in. And um, he said, I, I really think that you should change this to first person. And I I knew he was right, so I did it. And you know, once I started changing it, I felt like I had all this breathing room because I could I could explore how she was feeling and even though I've never lost a child I've never had a relationship with a woman but you know the the characters I'm sure you've heard this before from writers the characters take on a life of their own and they inform you and um it, it's got a it's got to give you an enormous amount of understanding I mean it uh, it's almost like something I think everybody should do um, as an exercise, just to gain the understanding uh, of other people, mm-hmm. uh, it had to, uh, you know, make you even much more aware of what um, women who are lesbians go through. Yeah, but see, I think also what fascinates me about stories like this, and I think it's what kind of snagged me when I heard that conversation was, and it's an age-old theme of of inconvenient love. You know, right. we can't, we don't choose who we love. We can choose to walk away from that person, but we can't choose to not love them. And, you know, it goes back to, I mean, that's Romeo and Juliet. That's the core of that story, and probably past that, people wrote about it. But it, it's it's endlessly fascinating, and it doesn't lose, I, I don't think it's, its appeal. So this this is one more version of that. And I and I loved that, um, you know, these two women were looking at each other going, well, okay, well, this happened and we can't deny it, but kind of like, well, now what do we do? Not only divorcing their husbands, but um, there's a whole, you know, there's a scene when the first time that they make love and, and my character, Isabella, is going, well, okay, like, Technically, I guess I know what to do, but am I going to be able to do? You know, it's all, it's all new, it's all unfamiliar, and totally unexpected. And 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 it's happening, uh, and and really mirrors uh, life. We we just had a, a, a two women on who wrote uh, their nonfiction book about. Um, having been friends uh, and their husbands were friends and they were all friends and, you know, 
for many years, and then they two fell in love, and they divorced their husbands, and they got married with Prop uh-huh. 8, and then they were battling Prop 8. And I, and I just actually received another um, uh, email about a book where a husband and wife together 25 years, and after 25 years, they both came out as gay, and now they're best friends. Oh, I knew someone years ago. I knew the, their kids, and I ended up meeting their father, and um, yeah, it was the, the parents waited until the kids were older and sat them down and said, well, he's gay and I'm a lesbian and we're getting divorced and we think you're old enough to handle it. <laughs> kind of screwed the kids up, actually. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, the book is Till Human Voices Wake Us. Uh, Patty Davis is the author of my guest. It's available on uh, Kindle. I'm Michelangelo Cigarelli on Sirius XMLQ 108. This issue, uh, of course, of uh, gay uh, visibility, gay equality, something the country uh, now really, um, you know, debating and discussing. Mm -hmm. Uh, You did an interview recently with Howard Bragman, Mm -hmm. uh, who's also a friend of the show, uh, and and it made headlines when you said that um, you believed your father, uh, Ronald Reagan, uh, Mm -hmm. President Reagan, would have supported gay marriage. I I wondered how you um, thought, did you, how you thought about how it played out in the media and if you thought that was really going to get so much attention. Um, well, I mean, it got some attention, but, um, I, I didn't think it was, I mean, maybe I missed something, but I didn't think it was really that explosive. I'm sure there were, you know, were and are people in the far right who, you know, don't believe me. Um, but I, well, one of them was your brother, Michael, who said, uh, oh, he would never have supported gay marriage then. Yeah, but, you know, i got to point out something here. Michael came out with his, um, that op-ed, written op-ed thing that he did, like the day before my interview came out with Howard and then the New York Times thing that I did. Um, so Michael had no way of knowing what I said. It just was a coincidence, you know. Um just like this novel coming out at this time, I didn't plan that. It was just one, you know, one of those coincidences. But um, in his rant in that op-ed thing, he did not mention our father once, which I thought was really interesting and really telling, because he always talks about our father, and he didn't in this. He lived with us in for his a while. anti-gay marriage rant. You mean? Yeah, yeah. That op-ed, that written thing that he you know, equating gay people with, I don't know, murderers and people who indulge in bestiality or whatever. Yeah, um, I, I actually have a clip of him talking about it on, on CNN. I just wanted to play it to give people some context, and then we can come back to this, this thought. Okay. The reality of it is I don't believe in gay marriage, as many people don't believe in gay marriage. I think you can have a debate on that. I don't believe it. I think it does send a slippery slope. I think if you accept the redefinition of marriage, then you're going to have to accept the redefinition all the way down the line. For example, marriage if, you, if, you, if you, in fact, define marriage as two people getting married, whether male and male, female and female, then at some point you may have to say, do you agree with, in fact, polygamy? Right, and and in the op-ed, he had elaborated further on other issues as well. Yeah, I love the bang- mangled syntax. Sends it sends a slippery slope. Right, right. <laughs> right? It's like what coming from a writer. <laughs> what does that mean? <laughs> 
Well, I mean, it's just, look, it's all such ugly stuff. And I think, you know, if, if Michael were the only person saying that, you could go, okay, well, you know, whatever. But it's it's not just him. I mean, there are other people, there are a lot of other people, alarmingly, who feel this way and who, you know, who lump gay people in with with people who have sex with donkeys and farm animals and go murder people or whatever, you know? I mean, this is just horrific. And, you know, our, our father would in no way um, tolerate that kind of ugly um, talk and, and, and that kind of hateful speech. And, look, like I said, my Michael... Michael came to live with us for a while when he was a young teenager. I can't remember exactly how old he was. So, you know, he knew the same people that I did, and and he knew the tolerance there, and he knew the two aunts who, you know, babysat it. Well, he wasn't living with us when they babysat us for that Hawaii trip that my parents went on. But, but he knew they were around. I mean, they were around at holidays. They were around, you know, and it was completely accepted that they were a couple, and there were so many Hollywood people. Your father was an actor. Um, he knew Rock Hudson and others. Um, yeah. And so did your mother. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, part of the reason that I thought it was important to say that about my father, not only because I believe it's true, um, but I think it's important because he was late in addressing the, the AIDS issue. And... I I said to Howard Bregman, um, you know, I wish I wish now that I had asked him that before he he slipped so far into Alzheimer's that you know it would have been pointless to ask him. I, I wish I had asked him that, if, asked him if he regretted that he was late in in addressing the epidemic that was out there. I, I'm I'm quite certain that he would have, in hindsight, said, yeah, I, I was. But you know, my father's flaw was not um, that he was intolerant, was not that he didn't um, care about other people. His flaw was that he trusted the people around him. And there were people around him. I'm not excusing him. I'm just saying this is the fact, you know. He trusted people around him to tell him, you know, what was going on in the, in the country that he needed to address more than other things. You know, what's the priority here? Right. And, I mean, that's how we ended up with a, ba- a war being won from, run from the basement of the White House, because he trusted, right. you know, he delegated and he trusted. And there were people around him who did not want him to deal with any issue that had to do with gay people. Now, you, what your brother said was that he would never have supported gay marriage then. So I wanted to get your thoughts, and maybe if you wanted to clarify, I mean, do you think he would have supported gay marriage then, or if 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 he were part of the debate now or later in life? Well, see, now you're the first person that's asked me that question <laughs> asked me in, in that time frame, you know. Um, and, you know, I, I was answering about what I know about his, and what I know about his attitudes and all mm-hmm. that. Now, if you want to put it in a time frame of the 80s, um, I I think he still would have felt the same way. Would he have defied um, the, I mean, you know... To the religious right, at, yeah. Yeah, to think back at the 80s, to think back at what was going on there um, in terms of gay people. Um, 
first of all, we wouldn't even be having this debate about gay marriage in the 80s. So, you know, there's a lot of hypotheticals there. Um, but I, I would like to believe that he would have led with his heart and his beliefs and um, defied anybody around him. I'm sure my mother would have suggested strongly that he do that. Um, but well, it was a different. It was a different time. Uh, your mother uh, and you had years ago had a falling out, but you've reconciled with her in recent years. Certainly, uh, she too, um, as you described, um, had gay friends. Uh, mm-hmm. She too had a lot of gay friends in Hollywood. What does she think of this issue now? Does she support gay marriage? Um, she does. I, I, you know, I'm, I'm hesitant to speak for anyone else, and she's not comfortable going out in the public eye and, you know, kind of, kind of getting on the firing line of anything. So I think, you know, it's sort of, I want to be cautious about speaking on on someone else's behalf. But let let me put it this way: that I think if she disagreed with what I had said publicly about my father. She would have said publicly. Really? Because <laughs> your mother way. doesn't stay silent when she yeah. feels somebody's been wronged or your father's been wronged. Exactly. I think that's probably the best. That that's mo- the most sort of politically um, correct way I could I could answer that question. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's interesting because um, your family really has, I think, represented in many ways. Um, the American family, so many families, because your differences have so played out. And now here we are, this debate on this issue, and mm-hmm. and here are you and Michael uh, kind of in different places on it. Of course, your brother Ron is very supportive uh, right. a, a, as well. Uh, it, it's really interesting to see your family still uh, grappling with the issues going on in the country. Well, you know, Michael and and, and has always been uh, the other side of the political fence from from me and Ron, so there's nothing new in that. I don't know how it ended up that way. Um, I don't know what forces in in his in Michael's life led him to this um, belief system, but it's his, and uh, and uh, there we are, you know. And like I said, he's he's not the only one who has these. Who has these beliefs? I don't. I don't understand it. Um, I don't understand. What is the difference? I don't. No one can answer that. You know, they come up with these ridiculous things about well, if we permit that, and then it's like people are, you know, going to be marrying twenty other people. We're going to have polygamy. We're going to have bestiality. We're going to, you know, be killing one another, and no one can do anything because we let gays get married which is the most absurd thing in the entire world. So if you set the absurdity aside, what is the problem? It's not going to affect your life. I mean, I don't, I don't understand. All it is is this kind of religious fervor that I don't think Jesus would be okay with this rhetoric. <laughs> uh, I think you're absolutely right. Uh, I, I think it's great that you also uh, are taking up this issue in your writing, and, and uh, I know a lot of people, certainly many listening, uh, will um, really uh, appreciate that you've written a, a novel now uh, with uh, characters who are two women who fall in love, and I hope they all go out and buy the book. 
Well, I hope they did too. This is my first self-published um, novel. I have two other novels in my drawer that I intend to self-publish too. So I am, I am a big convert to self-publishing now because you know what the truth is? No one would let me publish a novel. It's like if I wasn't writing about my family, no one would publish me. And you've written so, eight books, all nonfiction. I have written eight books, and I have written a couple of novels um, in there. But people know me for, you know, writing a autobiographical memoir type stuff. And, hey, look, I mean, the Reagan family is a really good story. So I don't know any writer who could have resisted writing about them, but um, particularly if you were born yeah. in that family. But, you know, I do have other stories, and this was one of them, that that I want to tell, and I love writing fiction, and I I think Kindle I I can't say enough about Kindle Direct Publishing. I mean, it's I think it's given writers like me who are published writers, but who can't get you know certain books published a chance. It's given new writers a chance, um, and that's all any writer really wants. Just give me a chance to put put it out in the world, and let you know the work will will fail or succeed on its own merit. Absolutely. And I want to tell people they can all go and get it and buy it and check it out on Kindle. Uh, it's available, and it'll be published uh, in a few weeks in a hard copy version, right? Well, paperback, because I'm um, doing the Create Space through Amazon, so... Yeah, so oh, that's great. But it's a lot cheaper than a hardback. Absolutely. Uh, Patty Davis, so great to have you on the show. I hope you'll come back. I would love to come back. Thank you so much for having me. Patty Davis, her new book is Till Human Voices Wake Us. Go and check it out on Amazon.com, on Kindle. We are back in a few minutes. The, 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 Michelangelo, the Michelangelo Senior Ellie Show, Sirius XM OutQ 108.